Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sitting with Sean, episode number 22. I know I said the last episode was episode number 22, but that was a, that was a mess up on my part. I looked at the numbers. I was like, oh, man, I messed it up. But, hey, it is what it is. Small kinks in, in the road. Um, but today I have a very special guest. Uh, her name is Tina Bell. Tina, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Uh, you are one of the guests that I was like, I want to get on my show. Uh, and, and we had some scheduling deconflictions we had to do <laughs> and had to push it back a little bit a few times. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm actually happy to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so, uh, Tina, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself? Uh, my name is Tina Bell. Uh, I am a 40-year Alaskan um proud mom um and uh really just at a good place in my life and really happy with where things are for me absolutely absolutely and you know uh i posted up when i first started doing this podcast i said hey i want guests on my show this is what it's about tina jumped on she said i want to be be a guest but i want to give it some time and i was okay with that you know mm-hmm. and, and now i'm completely okay with that everybody in their own time and then she forwarded me to chris milson and i was like oh <laughs> you know making connections that's pretty cool and through time of of knowing tina and talking to her a little bit here and there uh i was down in nashville and tina said hey you have a package in the mail uh just you know be aware and I get home and my wife was like, you got a painted rock in the mail. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so this painted rock is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. When Tina did this. Tina did this. And normally, and I took it down for this special occasion because I wanted to show it on camera. But normally it sits right behind that title, right in front of my AA Big Book. This is my first gift from a guest. Uh, and, and I am completely humbled and grateful that you sent that to me thank you tina you're welcome now a little bit why 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 do you do the painted rocks before we get into it um i in my teens i was introduced to art therapy mm-hmm. and i did it on and off and then i got to a point where it became a normal thing for me to do um i at some points in my life struggled with uh, self-harm thoughts. And I had a really good friend say something to me, which is when you want to pick up something um, to harm yourself, instead pick up the paintbrush. And that's where it went. And I paint every day. <laughs> that is that is amazing, you know, and, and that's pretty awesome. That's a, that's a good saying, a good thought. I know in addiction, um, we say instead of picking up and using uh, pick up something else, whether it's uh, go to a meeting or pick up the phone. The phone's a thousand pounds sometimes, right? Mm. To make that call and say, hey, look, I'm going through some stuff. I need somebody to talk to. But it's more beneficial to talk than it is to relapse. Yes. So um, once again, I want to thank you for this rock. It's absolutely beautiful. My wife was blown away by it. She was like, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen painted on a rock. Nice. Yes, yes. I share every just about everything with her. She watches all the episodes when they come up. Okay. And and so she gets to see the journey of of you know where we're at and get inspired by other people. So uh, nice. she's definitely looking forward to watching this episode. Amazing. <laughs> all right, Tina. So uh, let's get into it. What was it like in your uh, mental health crisis? Um. Well. I can pinpoint when the recovery happened, Mm -hmm. but as far as having mental health struggles, I can actually date that back to almost kindergarten age. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember coloring. uh, I remember very vividly coloring on a piece of paper with the big, like the thick crayons that they give little kids, the jumbo crayons. Um, And I remember in the middle of coloring my picture, I just, stopped coloring i felt sad for no reason and then a few minutes later i felt better and i kept coloring and even though i was little i knew something was weird and i wasn't sure what was going on um as i grew up there became more and more signs that just 
feelings were weird things were weird um stuff happened um and then there were several moments that were kind of really big flags had i been in enough a good enough place to pay attention does that make sense yeah um but the the um the i guess you could call it the the last straw um was in 2012 when i literally was not eating not leaving the couch not communicating um experienced some pretty regular suicidal ideation and i just i couldn't get out the pit um and i ended up going to uh the hospital to get uh an evaluation and they recommended that i stay and i didn't really think it was necessary my family did and i stayed and that was the pivotal turn for me um so we're 10 years later (laughs) it's been a lot of work it's been um it's been a lot of vulnerability which not a fan um (laughs) but um I had to, I had to get out of it. I had to get out of the way I was living, the way I was thinking and not functioning. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I can remember as a kid like feeling that way, you know, feeling like just that that deep sadness, right? Like yes. you can't explain it. You can't explain you can't, it. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's there. And then one minute, you know, that that happened one minute and then the next minute you're fine. And and that's very confusing, especially being a child. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because not only can you not explain it, you don't understand the feeling. So then you can't make anybody else explain it so that no one else can help you. And it's like kind of what I would refer to as like an inner turmoil cycle. I'm basically just cycling sadness within myself with with no way to, you know, kind of like like the the lights the planes that kind of guide the planes in i got no way to wave to anybody i need to be guided i need to be directed i need to be i need to be helped and so it was um and as you know as with a lot of people i didn't look sad for a while i might have looked angry i looked rebellious i looked um frustrated i did not look sad so how you know it's, it's hard to, I really couldn't blame other people for not being able to help me because they didn't see what I was feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I refer to that as the mask. Hmm. Okay. That, that we, that we put this mask on so other people don't know that there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And I know yep. I did that for a long time and I refuse to do that anymore uh, because and that doesn't even matter with any emotion. So if I'm happy, I'm, I'm taking that mask off. If I'm sad, I'm taking that mask off. Because if I hide behind that mask, I get comfortable in that mask. And then it starts to, I start to fall down that, that pit again. Well, um, I, I realized that the, the mask is actually for other people. It's yeah. not for me. Yeah. And, it, it, and it's why it was detrimental. Mm-hmm. And I just got to a point where I refused to apologize for feeling. I just, I refuse. I'm sad today. I'm upset today. I'm nervous or distracted or irritated. And I think part of what it came to was whenever I had a strong emotion, it was kind of thrown in my face of, I was feeling things that I would see other people express frustration, but I was wrong to feel it because I was either feeling it so strong or it was kind of like, well, you know, you've got some problems, so you need to calm down or you need to redirect. Or so it's like, actually, no, I don't. I have a right to feel how I feel, just like you have a right to feel and just like you. I have a right to not be criticized for it. Absolutely. And I I think that it's it's absolutely terrible when people get criticized for the way that they feel or, or the emotions because they can't control those things. That is correct. Those are naturally occurring things, you know there there's a thought that goes into it 
um, you know, that leads us to where we're at. But the reality is, is I can't, I can't control my anger, can't control my sadness. You can't control that either, you know, and, um, and, and so to be criticized for it makes it harder to be vulnerable, that vulnerability that you spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. you know, it makes it harder to be vulnerable because at one point you're like, I really just want to talk about it. And then you talk about it and it's like, well, this got thrown back in my face. Yes. Why do I open up again? Yes. Yes. And then I, on my way to being where I'm at today, a lot of the other stuff I ran into was I really had to start teaching myself to justify why I had a right to speak up because that's not something I was taught or, you know, growing up. I wasn't, um, I had stuff like bullying and stuff like that. So I was taught early on, it's best to just be quiet. And it took me, you know, past the age of 40 to start saying like, wait a minute, this is not okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about some of those red flags earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that at some point we all notice red flags, but I don't know if it was like this for you, but for me, I felt that it was normal that everybody went through this, you know, uh, that I'm sad, I'm depressed, um, I'm upset, um, I'm angry, I have a lot of emotions going through me and I can't explain them. So everybody must feel that way. So this is normal. Did you go through that? I actually went through the opposite. <laughs> I uh, I went through, why is no one else feeling what I'm feeling? Why am I seeing people at school functioning, talking and laughing, and I'm wanting to crawl into my locker? Why am I at work and everybody seems to be managing the task and I'm just staring at this piece of paper for 10 minutes because I just can't get my head wrapped around it. So I felt, um, I, I ended up feeling very isolated about what I was dealing with and really believing it was just me. And I think that that thought came from the verbiage that was used with me, which were things like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Why are you acting like this? Why are you having this problem? And so the language I was taught to myself was, it's just me, something's wrong with you. So, yeah, I had the opposite um, experience of you. But, of course, both our journeys are valid, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, so you talked about language, and, and I I'm, I'm a huge advocate for language. Uh, if, if the language isn't there, the intention could be great, but you create a, a barrier between you and the person that you're talking to. So if, I, you know, if you came to me and you said, why are you mad? I don't want to talk about it because you asked mm -hmm. why am I mad. Like if you ask what emotions are you going through okay well maybe i can open up and, and talk about those a little bit you know mm -hmm. what i mean and it's about changing changing the the dy dynamic of our converse of the conversation instead of say, when, when you put somebody on the spot and you say why are you like this mm -hmm. then that they automatically go into defense mode and, and so i can relate to the way that you know what you were saying and and how has language the language of of the way people approach you how has that um really um, change the way that you're thinking now? Um, one of the first lessons I learned was I had to learn to listen to what people say were saying and not how. And I had to accept that as much as I couldn't express it appropriately, they weren't trained to ask appropriately either. So when I'm being told you're overreacting, what is the big deal? They're actually trying to say, I don't understand you, but I had to realize that for some people, the asking was the caring. The words didn't make sense. The tone might've been off. Uh, the, the frustration may have been a reaction to how I was dealing, but um, I really had to stop and ask myself, are they asking out of concern? And what I learned to decipher was the people who asked me and stood there and waited for the answer were the ones that deserved the answer. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking me just because you're frustrated with what I'm doing, you're just you're just expressing your own stuff, but you don't you're not you don't care. Yeah. And you're exactly right that why for me is a is a triggering word. Why are you doing that? Why are you acting like that? 
And it's because you expect me to understand something I don't understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if I can't explain it to myself, you really don't have a right to get frustrated that I can't explain it to you. Exactly, so. especially especially in a crisis, right? Yes. When you're in the middle of a crisis. Yes. And and I was gonna hit it, you know, go into that is like um, those practices that we learn when we're when we're going through our our recovery and stuff like that. Those are perfect world settings where you're both sitting there and you're talking, and you're able to communicate. And there's open lines of communication. Everything is fine, but learning how to do that when you're in a conflict that's super hard and it's, yes. it's it's hard to step away from that and be like okay is this person really do they really have my best interest at heart or are they trying to hurt me and and that's i, I don't know if you've had a difficulty doing that um in crisis what i learned was at some point um i my sentence was i'm mad I didn't know any other feeling words. I didn't know any other way to express it. I'm mad. And I wasn't necessarily mad about what was going on. I was just mad that I couldn't say what it was. So with some work and with some practice, what I ended up doing was I had, um, I created code words with the people in my life, which meant things like, like, okay, one of the, uh, the words is pause that's like just stop give me my space let me breathe and let me figure just let me figure out what i'm dealing with right now um because actually saying the word help or give me space or i'm in trouble that's when you're in crisis you can't say those things so i had to figure out how to say enough of something to get somebody to understand without opening the flood of emotions um, was basically, basically the way I look at it is that um, because I held so much in for so long. So I just need to get enough out to get the help, but we don't need to have a whole blown out session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can understand that. So, um, so you hit a little bit or just, just, you know, the surface of, of what led you into recovery. Um, mm -hmm. Um, what was recovery like for you? Because it's it's different for everyone. Um, the first thing was in the hospital. Um, surprisingly, I did an art project. Um, and it seemed to me to be the pivotal step towards me dealing with things. And I had been told since the age of 16 that I had depression. Um, not as a diagnosis, but as a behavior. You just look depressed or act depressed. Um, so one of the people, uh, the medical staff, challenged me to make a collage and make the face of depression. Gave me some magazines, gave me some paper and some glue and just create what depression looks like. And I'm thinking, you know, there's like good housekeeping and people magazine, there's not gonna find depression in there. So yeah. um, what I ended up doing was taking the eyes of of a picture and the face of a picture and the teeth of a picture. And I ended up making this pretty uh, scary looking thing. And I realized once I made it, ever since then, it was not something that scared me because I looked at it. And I think that was what began the path of me really looking at what I'd been through, uh, what I experienced, how it affected me. Um, Another real hard part was I had to look at anything I had done to contribute to where I was. It's not, it, it's not about what uh, everything that has happened. I, what did, did I make any choices that I could have made different stuff like that? So once I faced it, then I ended up um, discharging and they had me had recommended that I do intensive therapy for a year and a half which was group therapy, individual therapy, and um, a psychiatrist for a year and a half. And I went in with the thought that I'm willing to do it only because I don't wanna feel this way anymore and I'm not gonna do it again. So you, you got one shot where I'm willing to talk or share or do whatever. And so I imagine at the end of the year and a half, I'd have a cup of tea, salute myself. We got through it, hot dog, we're done. 
um life had other plans um so <laughs> yeah um during the year and a half i actually again through art um i actually planned out uh how to get through it and i made a trauma map and i actually made countries that were feelings like shame and then uh sorry continents that were uh like shame and then the countries and the continents were things i felt shame about and then i even made like a little boat and i would travel as i faced each trauma i would kind of travel to each one and face it and then i got to determine what i faced what i talked about and what i dealt with and at the end i had this map of this journey i'd gone on of everything that i had dealt with through age 40. And um, to see it at the end was very helpful. And then I kind of celebrated and kind of got back in a little bit of a norm of a living, I guess, by other, you know, a, a societal norm definition. Yeah. Um, and then as, as, it, as it happens, more life happened. And I'm like, huh, guess I got more to deal with. So, um, and then... Um, I, I, since 2012, I have been in therapy, outpatient therapy, um, which is what, that was the person I worked through my map with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe that was the biggest factor in me being where I am today. Um, while acknowledging that therapy is not for everybody. It's the biggest factor in me being able to have help to maneuver through my recovery and be okay with where I am, what I am and what I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I find that art is very powerful, whether it's, and I mean the arts in general, because I do music therapy. Um, <laughs> through on base here and it has completely revolutionized my life and, and it's just one of the things that has changed uh in my life um you know I, I learned to play ukulele guitar drums um i write a little bit and i sing a little bit and i find that when i put it all out there that yeah it might hurt in the process but on the end i'm able to look at this thing that i created right look at this at this thing i created it may not be a masterpiece it literally could be a jar of mud <laughs> but it's something that i created and i'm like i created this from the way that i feel and and it's and it's beautiful to look at the process is hard and i don't know if you went through that but the process is hard yes um kind of the way that i kind of remind myself or what encourages me to pick up paintbrush um, I, when I feel like I'm surrounded by or consumed by ugliness, I have to find beauty somewhere. Yeah. And for me, that means picking up a paintbrush, a camera, or some keys and taking a road trip. I gotta, I gotta physically see something better to feel better. Yeah. I did, I did art therapy too. Um, and, and that was cool because I'm not an artist. I'm terrible. You give me, you say, you say, Hey, draw this, you're getting a stick figure with some hair on the top of the head. Right. I'm not artistically gifted in that manner. Um, but there was one piece that I did, um, that my art, you know, that my art set, my art therapist was like, okay, I, I want you to feel those feelings and then draw it out and i ended up painting it it was ugly it, it looked terrible right absolutely terrible but it was this it was a two p two part canvas and and that's because i didn't think about drawing a bigger one but it's two part canvas put you know put side by side but there's a reason behind it and it was a pit just this black hole in the middle of the two pieces separating and on one side, you had what looked like a demon or like a demon face coming out of the pit. On the other side, you had a person trying to crawl out of it. And she looked at me and she said, well, 
what does that mean to you? And I said, we only see part of the picture when we take take one away. Mm. We only see, you know, when we take one side away, you only see that the guy's struggling and he's trying to get out of the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you have the other piece without the first one. And all you see is there's a problem. When you put both of them together, you begin to see the problem and and the person trying to get help. And it's only until you can actually see the full picture. It was ugly as hell. Like, I'll admit that. It was the ugliest <laughs> thing I've ever, I could, I could concept, but it meant so much. And it's actually upstairs in my, mm-hmm. uh, in my, I have a little art area that I don't use. And then I also did sculpting. And, and I don't know if you've messed around with sculpting, but sculpting, you, I like getting my hands dirty. So that's one of the things I made, I don't know if you, if you like, you know, Marvel or DC, um, like the comic book movies. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I made, I made the infinity gauntlet with, with the stones and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And I took it, I I took it in to my art therapist and I told her, I said, I said, the infinity gauntlet is just a symbol, right? But I said, I I found a different meaning behind it. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, when Tony Stark, you know, snapped it, he wanted all of Thanos' army gone, and boom. It, I, I said, the, the gauntlet has nothing to do with power. It has everything to do with will. So if you will it, it happens. And she was like, wow. I'm a deep thinker. <laughs> I yes, think yeah. These are things I think about when, when, when I'm, I'm by myself. Yeah, I uh, I find myself seeing more in things than most people. Um, I'm a I'm a Star Wars nut, and <laughs> I will watch it and then stop and explain to people. Did you understand the symbolism of that moment? Did you? <laughs> Did you? That was so amazing. Um, you brought up um, Marvel and DC. I was deeply like into the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. I don't know what you know his power and all that other stuff and the multiverse that's fantastic but i could not get off the fact that what he wanted to control was time with the whole watch thing yeah and then losing control of that was how he gained power like it like letting go of needing to control like i totally like psychologically evaluated that movie <laughs> um so i get what you're saying about seeing like um like deeper into stuff than some people yeah absolutely um i tried sculpting um i ended up in tears so i walked away um i don't have the brain capacity to look at something and know what to take away to leave stuff so that's not an art that's worked out (laughs) for me very well um but um you were talking about music, which I, I totally, my mind went a different direction than you did. I thought you were going to say listening to music. I didn't know you were making it. So that was that was exciting <laughs> to hear. <laughs> you know, when, when I first started doing music therapy, when they brought the concept to me and they said, oh, you know, do you want to do music therapy? I thought the same thing. I was like, am I going to sit in a room in a circle and meditate and listen to these bells and chimes go off? Is that what we're going to do? And she said, no, you're going to learn music. I said, mm. well, how is this going to benefit me? And I found out that it it creates new neural pathways in the brain to help your memory. To create music? Yeah, playing music. When, when, you, when you learn chords and you learn, you learn patterns on the drum and, and you learn everything, it creates new neural pathways in the brain to help your memory out. And it's worked. Because my memory was terrible. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, and you talked about taking photography or doing photography. And one of the things I noticed, and you have a Facebook page about it, is is that you go around, you travel Alaska, and you take pictures. Yes. That is is amazing. Some of the pictures that you've taken are absolutely stunning, beautiful. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I. Uh... Yeah, I have to be real cognizant when I do photography because I will just be driving and see something. I'll just pull over. 
<laughs> I got to capture it. I got to get an angle. Um, I've laid on the ground. I've, um, I mean, people, uh, there are people who looked at me and I'm sure they want to ask me if I'm okay. Cause I'll just be <laughs> leaning sideways with a leg in the air to get the angle on a bird or, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, so, um, but it's just another way for me to find and present beauty. Um, just to have something beautiful sitting in case I or somebody else just needs to be reminded that there's beauty somewhere. And, and what what started you wanted to do photography? Um, I think it had to do with the fact that I would see something beautiful, like a flower or something, and I I couldn't hold the memory of it. Like when I wanted to think back, oh, I remember how that flower looked or how I wish I could just see that mountain, like the reflection again or something. And then I, I didn't have it. Um, and it would made me move to wanting to do camera photography was trying it on my phone and being very unsuccessful. So, <laughs> um, my friend loaned me their camera and then I just... I just took off. I do. Um, I try to do a certain number of pictures a week. I think my summer resulted in 4,200 pictures. And wow. so one of my winter projects will be to go through and sort them and um, get them organized in just a way. But I, I send them to uh, my family. I share them with people. And like you said, I had a page for them because I just there's so much in the world in my mind but also on the, on the internet there's enough mm -hmm. ugly i just wanted something pretty out there absolutely and, and that's that is awesome because you get to see the world through through eyes that not a lot of people get to see it through mm -hmm. you know you get to see it from a perspective of beauty versus pain and yes. you get to see you, you get to see it you know through the lens of like of life being created and thriving versus life being destroyed and destructive. Yes. Uh, just the other day, I walked my daughter's dog and I came back in with 40 pictures of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm always looking for something. I, I, I try to remind myself and make it symbolic that there's something beautiful no matter where I am or what I'm dealing with. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we talked a little bit about what about what you currently do, but uh, what is what do you do now in your program to keep you um, keep you afloat? Um, I maintain my mental health appointments. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest step I took uh, took me several years, which was I launched a blog, mm -hmm. and that was hard. Um, because for it to have validity, I had to be vulnerable and honest. And, uh, the scariest thing about that was by putting it online, I opened myself to criticism, not a fan. Um, but it, it's, it was important for me to overcome that because it was more important to me to get a message out. Um, part of the reason I do the blog is because I, I think we covered this already where I felt alone a lot in what I was dealing with. And when I went to group therapy, it was the very first time I sat in a room with people and I heard somebody say something and I went, wait, that's how I feel. Or how could you possibly understand that's what I was crying about yesterday? And it was my, my first real indication that I was not alone in my suffering. And while that was helpful, I wanted to be not alone in my healing as well. So that's why I wrote the blog and, and I started writing about stuff and that's helpful. Um, it's new. It's only been a couple of months and I'm learning how to be comfortable sharing. Um, so every day I either work on a blog, I paint, I do photography, um, I walk, I cook. I do something physical because to me it symbolizes to keep going. Um, the rock uh, that I painted you is actually like the kind of rocks that I do. I actually leave them in the community and they have mental health information on them, resources, um, encouraging, you know, statements just to hang in there. And then I kind of put them where um, 
like benches where people would think outside medical offices um uh the the va i just put them where i think somebody might be who might just need to hear hang in it's it's you know look forward it's gonna be okay um and i just try to i have to i guess part of me believing that there's positivity in the world is by putting it out there and putting out genuine um stories of how i got where i am i mean it was it, it and i can say it was a 10-year journey but it is i'm still going um anybody who goes through mental illness knows you're you can be in a place of healing and a bad day comes out of nowhere so i just i don't i don't pretend that i'm great and everything's perfect and you know life is wonderful but i try my best to find pockets of happiness because there's days when it seems like that's the one thing my mind doesn't want me to see. And I got to get over that and past it and through it so I can keep going. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, um, you know, some of the listeners or, or people out in society don't realize is that just because you're depressed doesn't mean that you can't have a good day or you can't feel happiness it's sometimes it's hard to find other times it's it, it's it's right there in the palm of our hands and we're able to grasp it and so i want to thank you for saying that oh. i really do yeah um another piece that you asked me you know how how have i been handling my recovery was i actually got uh another big piece about a year ago was i got a uh, valid diagnosis and I realized that my, I had been diagnosed with the symptoms of what I had, not what I actually have. And so being able to research it and look into it and understand it, I feel a lot less crappy about myself. Um, because when something happens or a feeling happens or a thought happens, I'm like, oh, oh, that's what that is. That's what that is. And I'm not stuck in what I would refer to as the emotional tornado of sadness. Um, I can not even get that close to it. I can just stand my ground, understand it and accept it and keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of the things uh, that's very valid is to, or, or, or very important for people that are going through mental health disorders is to get a diagnosis. So you know what, what's going on. Um, I had a psychologist friend on a few episodes back in Chicago and he, he made a very good point. He said, I can't dissect a brain and say, oh, that's where the bipolar comes in. You know, it's all the symptoms. When you get diagnosed, it's the symptoms. It has zero to do with, with where, what what's happening. And what he finds is that when the people get a diagnosis, they actually get worse because they start living what the diagnosis tells them they are. So mm -hmm. if, they say, if they say, if you get diagnosed with bipolar, oh, I'm bipolar, so I have to act this way. And so they, they label themselves and they put themselves in this cage versus, you know, trying to live with the, the, the symptoms that they have and make their life a little bit better, they regress quite a bit. Yeah, I wrote a, um, I think the very first blog I wrote, I sent to you about that. And I sent it, it, it was about how my identity became the letters of my diagnosis for a lot of my life. And it's like, it is not who I am. It's part of what I have. And that transition, that separation, can be a very empowering event um, and a very empowering recognition for yourself because it, you can get so bogged down with how you feel because in a lot of ways, in my experience, it's, I, I was my own worst enemy. Yeah. And how yeah. can you pick yourself up when you're the one helping yourself stay down? Yeah. And it's just, it was just, yeah. So it, it, it took a long time for me to be, able to identify and talk about stuff. And yes, it's been 10 years, but every day of the 10 years, there's been progress. And I think that that's an important point is that, you know, if you go to a therapy session, let's say, and you don't make, you don't leave feeling any different or any better, focus on the fact that you walked in, focus on the fact that you tried, focus on the fact that you were brave enough to just say, 
I think I need some help with this. And every day is not going to be a huge success and you're not going to climb a mountain or anything. But the fact that you're taking a step at all is sometimes the most empowering thing that you can do. Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, I do all the social media stuff and, and <laughs> I, I said something that 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 kind of like took me by shock because I don't, I don't feel like I say smart things. Other people say, oh, you say, say smart things, but I don't feel like I, I, I say smart things. But somebody was talking about how um, how depression really is a cop out, and I said, ah, no, 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 my friend. I said, uh, I said it's w- the the victories that we have in depression are need to be celebrated. And, and they were like, well, what do you mean? That that doesn't make any sense to me. And I said, yeah, it doesn't because you don't have it. I said that's one and two. I said, do you know how hard it is for, sometimes for us to get up out of bed? Bro, like, like sometimes I don't want to be awake and I vocalize that, you know, sometimes I can sit in my chair and stare at my TV with nothing on the TV for hours and it's just like time flies by and I have to will myself up out of that chair to go and take care of things mm-hmm. because if, if I don't take care of things, things start to pile up. And yes. so those small victories, the getting up in the morning, the making your bed in the morning, the 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 getting up out of the chair and 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 forcing yourself to do something is celebrated it it needs to be celebrated and we don't do that enough at you know as a community a mental health community we don't do that enough but we also don't do it enough for our own selves we don't pat ourselves on the back do you take the time to pat yourself on the back and say hey tina you did a good job today well let me tell you what i do before i go to bed i ask myself three questions what did I do to overcome? What did I do today to overcome yesterday, to make today better, and to make tomorrow prosperous? And I re- literally don't want to lay down till I have an answer for all those three questions because that's all I can do. And there are days when what I did to make today better was I actually drank a full cup of water. Okay, great. That's that's my accomplishment for the day. Um, there's other days where. Um, I, I got dressed in different clothes. Well, hallelujah. That was my thing today. Um, and I do have to consistently pat myself on the back for small things because with my depression, the victories aren't visible. They're really not. The things that are a big deal that I did aren't really visible. Um, and so I have to, I, I do do that. Um, I high five myself every time I finish therapy. Because as I said before, vulnerability is not, I'm not a fan, but I have to be vulnerable to get healed. I really do. Um, so yeah, I, I do things. Um, I, <laughs> I will, you know, probably get, let, allow myself like some ice cream or something for doing this podcast today. Cause I was very nervous. <laughs> oh yeah. Do um, that. Eat that ice cream. Yeah. You deserve it. But I think it's just it's important because other people spoke to help me understand the importance of healing. And I feel like I I just feel like after going through everything I've been through, it's it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to find a way to put a word, a phone number, uh, a story, an episode, just anything I can do to help people understand not just the importance of healing through what they've been through, but that they deserve to do it. That they deserve to do it. You deserve, you know, I, um, I can't remember who I heard it from. Um, I think it was, um, Mel Robbins is a lady I read a lot of, but she said something and I literally read it and I just, I sat there and cried because I realized I didn't even believe it. But she said, I believe it was her, said, happiness is your birthright. And I don't think I had ever felt that way. I could felt like at times I was just assumed that I was just going to be sad. That was going to be my identity. Oh, well, live with it. Uh, try to cope the best you can, suck it up and move forward. But happiness was my birthright. And I remember thinking, 
you're darn right it is. It absolutely, I, and, and, and I, I'm the only one that can define what that means. And so um, that's one of the reasons why when, you know, you were like, you know, you were looking, you know, people want to be on the show and, and, and uh, on your podcast. And I was like, absolutely. If he's brave enough to listen, why would I not be brave enough to talk? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I can tell you that there's nothing anybody will say that will surprise me or make me be like, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but you hit on happiness as a birthright, and I, I'm fully, I, I fully support that. I, I believe that everybody deserves happiness. Everybody deserves a happy life, a good life, um, with the exception of a few subcategories, and we'll leave that out. <laughs> but I, I, I think. Everybody deserves a happy life. Everybody deserves to be happy and healthy within their within their their own confines, you know. And, and happiness looks different for everybody, you know. Some people could be happy with a million dollars and they're okay. And mm-hmm. me, I can me, I can be happy. I mean, I don't want to be, but it, it, let's just say, you know, I was homeless uh, for some reason, and and I just had my wife and my kids. I'd be happy because I was surrounded by the people I love. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all that matters to me. Um, and, and like, like, you know, like I said, happiness looks different to everybody and, and success looks different to everybody. Um, but yeah, you know, um, you're definitely brave and, and you you are a survivor and you are a conqueror. I hope you know that. Thank you. You're a conqueror. It's- every, every day you wake up, you're a conqueror. Yes. Yes. It's not, it's not easy. No. There's day there's days it seems impossible and it's just it's just remembering that somewhere there's somebody else who's getting up to. So get let, let's get up and keep going as a unit. Let's get up and keep going as a team. Let's get up and keep going as warriors. Let's get get up and get out. Mm-hmm. Well, your journey is very inspirational to me. I'll tell you that. Oh, thank you. I'm completely inspired by you. I'm humbled by you. And so I want to say thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Before before we go, would you have any advice or suggestion for anybody that's kind of going through some stuff or or, or they're deep in in, in some mental health crisis? What what would you give to them? Um, I guess one piece of advice would be because you're the only one who knows what you've been through, you're the only one that can identify how to get through it. Um, There is no one size fits all mental health remedy. Therapy may work for some, meds may work for some, um, exercise may work for some, whatever it is that it takes, just find a way to find it because living in misery is just not what you're meant to do. Regardless of what has happened, regardless, of where you find yourself sitting, you you have a, a, a right. You have a right to feel other than the way you have been feeling. And that there are ways to get there. And what I tell people a lot of times is ask and t- keep asking till you're heard. Absolutely. Because if the first person you ask doesn't hear you, it doesn't mean stop. It just means keep asking. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, uh, one of the things that I want to hit on, and I, I just remembered it. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about it a while ago, and you said, said something uh, that kind of triggered a thought. But um, I've seen a lot of people that, that get to this point where they're like, I am good. I don't need this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, then they, and then something happens, and it brings them right back. One of the things that I want to say is if it's working for you, don't stop. Because once you stop, it's hard to start again. Mm-hmm. You can pick right back up where you left off, but it's hard to start again once you stop. So keep going no matter how hard it is. Yeah, it's kind of like emotional muscle memory. Yeah, just yeah, because yeah, if you stop, um, the other thing is when you go to start again, you're not in as good a place as you were. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with music therapy, I, I, I'd stop for a while because I let other things get in the way. You know, I let work get mm-hmm. in the way. 
I let the fact that I was tired get in the way. When the, knowing the fact that when I get there and I'm behind a drum set or behind a guitar, I come to life. I don't know what happens. It's like somebody hits a switch and I come to life. And 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 I got to that point yesterday, and it's weird because yesterday was slam packed. I think I told you a little bit about it. I had mm-hmm. so much going on yesterday. Like it was literally like like uh, boom 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 boom. And then I was able to rest for a little bit and then boom, 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 boom. And I had music therapy yesterday and I contemplated. I said, you know what? I don't have to go today. And I, I was in the in the middle of a meeting and I thought to myself, if I don't go today, I'm not going next week. If I don't go next week, I'm not going the week after. And And I have to maintain this because if I'm not maintaining it, then I'm going to let it slip and then I'm going to make excuses for the next time I don't go. You know, that is such a valid point. And and using your example like you did before of getting off the couch, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to get up because how you feel not getting up day one is nothing compared to how you feel not getting up day three or day five. And you know, it just gets gets easier and easier the less you do to do less. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And so that's that's why, you know, you you had said something about stopping your your program and then jumping right back into it when when life happened. That's yes. the the triggering thought that happened. But uh yeah, definitely. If it's working for you, don't stop. Even if <laughs> even if even if days are rough because you'll find something in it that you need. Um whether you whether it becomes apparent to you right away or not. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely. If it's working for you, don't quit. And uh, I just do want to say again, I'm absolutely impressed by by you, by everything that you're doing, and I'm impressed by by your photography. Like, typically, if somebody says, "Hey, check out my stuff, check out my work," I'm gonna be like, "Okay," and look at it. I'm like, "All right, cool." But when when I seen it, I was like, "Oh my, she has something that is pretty awesome that she's doing. It's amazing." And uh, and so I just want to say I'm impressed by by that and, and continue you. what you're doing because it's working for you and you're an inspiration to not just myself but to to a bunch of people around the world. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And Tina, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit. Um, and everybody, thank you for sitting with us for this almost hour. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, so. Have a great day, y'all, and be good. And I'll till next time. I'll see you.